Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. We're in the series, week two of our um, journey through the book of Philippians, and it is a journey. But we're actually breaking it up into five different mini-sermon series. If you remember last week, uh, it was like the intro, right? Before you jump off on the zip line onto all the information that Paul's going to give in the book of Philippians, he gives you a few disclaimers of do you know what you're getting yourself into? And he says there's a, there's a massive cost, right? To summarize last week, there's a massive cost. You're signing up to be God's servant, that he owns you. But there's an incredible, incredible blessing that he gives you grace and he gives you peace in whatever you might face. So that's the introduction. That's what Christianity is, a great cost, but an incredible blessing for eternity. And after that, he jumps into, I think, five major topics he's going to talk about. And the first one is love. Let me, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. Let's read, uh, well, the introduction, verses 1 and 2, to get, to get some context. And then let's read the, the passage that we're going to be looking at tonight. And then we'll, we'll start looking at that, okay? So he, he, Paul says, Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now into what we're going to be looking at tonight. Okay, verse three. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayers with joy. I thank God and I'm praying with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. There's that assurance. He will not let go of you. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Continue on verse 7 and 8. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of Uh, partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ. So so Paul, uh, he gives kind of five major topics that he wants to talk about. The first one is love. Then we'll go into um, unity, what unity in the church looks like. We're going to talk about obedience and not just like being forced to do things that you don't want to do, but like this, not only obedience, but there's this love for obedience. This, this, that, uh, the, the psalmist actually writes that, I have a love for your law, God. I, I love to be obedient. I love to do what you want me to do. And so uh, Paul talks about this obedience and this love for obedience. And then uh, he talks about salvation. So there's a major chunk in the passage where we're going to be, uh, in the book, where we're going to be talking about salvation. And then uh, he also talks some about our attitudes and going forward actually applying to this text. But not to get ahead of ourselves, the first series, uh, it's a two-week mini-series. 
to start us off on one of the five major topics Paul goes through in the book of Philippians, and it's on love, the power of love. And uh, let me give you kind of the roadmap if you're taking notes, especially if you have one of your journals, um, or if you're just taking notes on just a uh, loose leaf piece of paper. Um, This is kind of the roadmap of our sermon series here, two-week sermon series. Tonight, verses three through eight, I think Paul is talking about the powerful bond of love that Christians have with one another, that you and I, if you call yourself a Christian, we have this bond of love, this, this thing, rather a, a, a person, Jesus Christ himself, that unifies us, grounds us in love. There's something special about the relationship between Christians. So Paul talks about that, an incredible bond of love together that a non-Christian wouldn't understand. The second week is verses 9 through 11. And Paul starts a prayer, a short three-verse prayer, where he prays that the Philippians would have such a love that was just talked about in verses three through eight. So he says, I pray that you would have such a godly love for one another and for others, that you would demonstrate love as my people. But tonight we're going to be looking at verses three through eight, the powerful bond of love that Christians have, that we have for one another, that we have in one another. Now, let me get a general idea from you guys. Um, Do you guys hear quite a bit, or maybe you hear from your friends at school or or whatever, um, that people would start to say, uh, I think it's just a common belief today in society that uh, you don't have to go to church, and church is overrated, community is overrated if you want to be a Christian. You can just be a Christian at home, read your Bible by yourself, um, bedside church kind of thing, right? And the whole drama of church is a little too much. It's extra, and it's unnecessary. You guys hear that? Is that a kind of? No, Valerie's not me. I hear that all the time. In fact, I actually have family members that would say that they are a part of that camp. They don't go to church, uh, but they would say that they're Christians, that we believe in Jesus, As our Lord and Savior, he came and died for us. But the whole church thing, the whole community, the whole unity, the whole bonding thing with others who believe in Jesus, it's it's too much and it's unnecessary, is what they would say. And actually, but if you look at Scripture, Scripture shows us that God expects us to gather together, to love one another, to bond with one another. He expects that from us. He actually uses this analogy of between him and the church. And he says, I'm married to the church. To the body of Christians, they are my bride. You are uh, collectively my bride. So it's like this marriage between God and the body of believers gathering together. And so if you think about it, when you or I would, would say, to be honest, to have the audacity to say, I don't want anything to do with other Christians We're in turn saying that I don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ's bride, who he's married to, who he's linked himself to. I don't want anything to do with him. Could you imagine saying that to me, like, hey, Isaac, I want to be your best friend, but yeah, like, don't ever want to see that woman's face. Sarah, yeah, no. Could you imagine? What would that, I wouldn't want anything to do with you. I wouldn't, I'd be like, look, whenever you're ready to hang out with my wife too, then you can hang out with me. How different is it? People that would say, I want nothing to do with the body of Christ, the the bride of Christ, but I want everything to do with Christ. It doesn't work that way. In fact, we actually even see in Hebrews, 
chapter uh, 10, verse 24, he says, uh, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some. So Paul's got the same issue as we do today. People are like, nah, we're too good for that. He's like, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but in encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he says, spend time with another, one another. It's expected of you. Jesus wants you and commands you to gather together and to be unified and to, to share in a bond, to be bonding together, grounded in him, to be bound together in godly love. He doesn't only expect it though, okay? I think Christian community is where I'm going with tonight's text in, in Philippians chapter one. Our bonding together in love is not just expected and commanded in, in Hebrews 10, but it's also, I think, beneficial for our lives. There's good reason to, because we are built up in it. In fact, it'll actually be on the screen. There is no relationship on earth which can build you up more than your relationship with other Christians, and I truly believe that. Now, I said on earth because obviously your relationship with God uh, will build you up more than any other, right? He brings you from death to life. There's no greater uh, being raised up or built up than that. But aside from God, there is no greater relationship that will build you up in your life, in your spiritual walk with God. There is no greater relationship that you will ever have with anybody that will build you up more than your relationship with other Christians, and I'm not knocking on your non-Christian friends. I, I really want you to hear this, okay? Because I have pushed so hard for at least a year, two years, since I've been here on how important it is to have relationships and friendships with non-Christians. So please, please don't hear me say you shouldn't have those relationships. They're essential. They're commanded in Scripture. You are sinning if you want to just stay away from other people that don't believe in God. You are not following God's will for your life. So don't hear me say that those relationships aren't important. What I'm saying is those relationships don't build you up in your faith like your relationships with other Christians do. That's a big difference. And that's why we would say, those of you who are looking right now for uh, um, an individual to date, maybe a prospect for marriage, <laughs> uh, that's why we would say look to Christians look to Christians because the last thing you want to do if you truly want to love Jesus and follow him with all you have is to link yourself with somebody to be closer with this person than anybody else and that person not push you to Jesus not point you to Jesus and not direct you to Jesus why would you sign yourself up for the closest person in your life to not reflect Jesus in your life every single day so that's why we would say date with the uh, intention of considering what kind of person you want to marry and let that person be starting off a Christian but it's even true with your, your friendships non-Christian friends are important please hear that they can be there for you in times of pain and trouble but they simply can't offer you the deepest of peace, the greatest of comfort. Him who is there for you and can lift you out of any muck and mire of, of sin and struggle and pain. Non-Christians can't direct you to Jesus like the Christian can. And so there is something special about the relationship we have, the bond we have with one another. It's so important to be unified uh, and together in love 
It's not only commanded, but it's beneficial for you. And I think there's two ways specifically that Christian bonds offer us something deep. The loving bond that we share together in Christ brings us two things. And the first one is joy, even in times of suffering. The bond that we share, you and I can offer each other joy even in times of suffering. Let me show you what what I mean here. Uh, If we go back to Philippians chapter one. Paul says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, all making my prayers with joy. So, So you could say Paul is either one of two things, right? He is thankfully joyful or he is joyfully thankful. Regardless, Paul is lifted up in delight. He's excited and he is happy. He is filled with joy. He is filled with thanksgiving. And before you you say, so catch me here, before you say, well, Paul doesn't understand 21st century and the struggles that I'm going through, Paul was probably uh, one of those kids that got everything that he wanted without a doubt, got a really nice car on his 26th birthday, 16th birthday, sorry, not 26th. (laughs) It's like, wow, Paul wasn't really well made. (laughs) Undoubtedly got whatever he wanted from his parents. No issues. Paul doesn't understand being bullied. Paul got his dream job straight out of high school. Paul doesn't understand. That's why he's able to say I'm, I'm filled with this thankful joy or this joyful thanksgiving. It's because Paul hasn't been hit with life yet. Well, actually... Paul's writing this, these words while sitting in a jail cell, and not just a jail cell, but a jail cell that is in ancient times. Our people in jail today have it good in comparison to ancient times. When Paul was sitting in jail, he was lucky to get meals. A lot of the times, if you wanted a meal so you didn't starve to death in jail, your friends had to bring it to you because the jail people weren't going to spend money on you. And so you would starve to death in that jail cell if your friends didn't bring you food, okay? So Paul is writing, I'm so thankful, I'm so joyful, while sitting in a jail cell. In fact, if you keep reading in verse 18 of this, of this same chapter, chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul's even saying, I'm not sure, if I might die here, I really don't know. He's like, I'm going to be freed from jail soon, and it's either going to be they're going to let me out or I'm going to die. I'm so joyful, I'm so thankful, What in the world, Paul, are you schizophrenic? Or why are you able to say you are so thankful? So Paul does understand the pain. Paul does understand the the struggle. Paul can sympathize with you as you're dealing with what you're dealing with. Paul knows pain. Paul is on the verge of death when he says, I'm so thankful and I'm so joyful. How can he say that? I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, all making my prayer with joy, Why? Because, you can underline this, because of your partnership in the gospel. I'm thankful because my Christian family. I'm joyful because the bond I share with other Christians that I know are out there and they're with me. And I'm thankful and I'm joyful because you're partnering with me, because I have partners in the gospel. Despite his hardship, despite his pain, he has joy in his suffering Because he has partners in the gospel. Because he has unity with others. 
So this, this partnership that he has with them, part of it is, uh, how are they partnering with Paul, you might ask? Well, well part of it is that he, they, they're actually financially supporting him. They're giving him things. Uh, you can see that in uh, chapter 2, verse 25, Philippians 2.25. Part of the partnership is that they are giving him food, they are bringing him money, and they are just giving him gifts while he's in jail. But another part of it is that their partnership with the gospel is the, that they would just stand up for the gospel with him, that they would value the gospel, that they would confirm the gospel that they are partakers of the gospel, partakers of the grace, that they are with Paul in the gospel. And he says, for that, I am so joyful despite what I'm going through. And so I want you to hear this, whatever you're going through. Despite the suffering you might be going through, despite the pain you might be feeling, despite maybe you're can't get over the sin and you just are so discouraged and beat down because of the sin or you are dealing with being bullied at school or maybe your family's falling apart or maybe whatever. There is joy to be found in the community right here because we can lift each other up to Christ. Something special that wouldn't happen with somebody that doesn't know Jesus and can't point you to Jesus, there's something special with the bond of Christians that Paul is able to experience. And now, though he's on the verge of death, would say, I am filled with joy because of you. Thank you so much. You have lifted my spirits up. I was on the phone with my dad a couple days ago, and he was telling me, um, he was actually asking me for, his, for some advice. He, uh, a friend from high school called him last week, and, uh, and, and they were just kind of like, just catching up, haven't talked to each other in a few years, and, uh, and then the guy from high school just said, hey, look, I'm just going to catch to the chase. I got to tell you something. My dad's like, okay, what's going on? And he goes, man, I got, I got stage four cancer. They gave me two to three months to live. And so, um, don't know why I'm calling you, but there you go. I wanted you to know. When did you hear from me? I'm going to die in a couple months. And my dad knows this guy is not a Christian. And my dad was like, I didn't know what to tell him. I don't, what do you say? Like, I'm just so caught off guard. And so I just asked him, how are you doing? How are you doing with this news? And the guy, not being a Christian, in uh less pretty of words, uh, less kind of words, said, eh, stuff happens, if you know what I'm saying. Stuff happens. And uh, my dad's like, really? That's, that, that's what you got? Like, that, that, that's what, come on, you gotta be feeling like, be honest with me, talk to me about this. And he goes, man, we all die, right? <laughs> stuff happens. You and I, as Christians, at that moment, because we know the hope in Jesus, because we know the love and the grace and the salvation and the eternity in, in his heavenly kingdom, because we know all of that can give him so much greater of hope than to say, well, that happens to everybody. Sorry to tell you, brother. Six feet under in a few months. Hope it goes well. You and I can give him so much more hope. We can lift each other up in so much greater of a way than to tell the guy, yes, sorry, I guess you're right. Stuff does happen. Even with that kind of news, even with the kind of pain or suffering, whatever might be going on in your life, you might be sitting in a prison cell thinking you might die next month, you can have joy and you can have 
thanksgiving because those around you who partner in the gospel with you can lift you up and can give you a hope and can remind you of God's love and the joy that we have in him. So our loving bond brings, that we share, it brings joy. You can have joy in your community with one another, even in your times of suffering. But this is a weird one, okay? So track with me. Don't lose me, uh, or rather, don't let me lose you. Um, This is kind of a weird one. The second point that I have is the loving bond that we share, that we can hold together in, that we can remind each other of Jesus and, and point each other to Christ. The bond that we have together, it brings peace of mind about salvation, brings about peace of mind about salvation. Okay, so, so let, me, let me just read to you what Paul says in verse 6, okay? He says, that's right after the whole, um, I have joy and I have thanksgiving because of your partnership in the gospel for the first time until now. Now verse 6, okay? He says, and I am sure of this. He's certain. I'm sure of this, that he, that is God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, I am certain that this faith that he has stirred up in your soul, this belief that he has given you, he will not let you lose it. He will, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And you can even circle that word, will. He will see to it that he holds on to you and there's nothing that will take you out of the grip of his hand. Nothing. Nothing will take you out of the grip of God's love for you. And we can remind each other of that. The bond that we share, our unity together, gives us peace of mind about our salvation. There's, a, there's another verse in First Peter. Let me read it. He says, you are being guarded by God's power. Okay, God's power is what is guarding you through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So just picture this with me, okay? Peter is saying that your disbelief might be just coming and it might be encroaching up and coming up to you and you might just be on on the verge of not believing in Jesus anymore. And he says, Peter says, no, no, no. God will guard you from that by his power. He will stop the unbelief and he will protect you from it. He will guard you by his power, by giving you faith, the faith that you need to continue believing, to keep that salvation. And that's what Paul's talking about when he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began this good work in you, this belief, if you, you can actually um, tag onto this whole, what is this good work? Look at um, uh, Philippians 1.29, and it kind of talks about that a little bit more. But this uh, began this good work in you, he will bring that to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will make sure of it, that you remain in his hand, and he will not let you go. He won't let you go. What makes Paul so sure that he could say this to these individuals? How could Paul reassure them of that? That God will not let them go. He says, it is right for me to feel this way. This is the next verse. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. You You can underline that word because, by the way, because this is the rooting of why he can say you will not be let go by God. You will always remain saved in God's hand. And I say that because, underline that, 
You were partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and in the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so let me try to walk through this, okay? I told you don't lose me on this part. This is kind of heady. So Paul's like, I know for a fact God will not let you go. And I know this because you you accept and you admit that you need God's grace in your life. You are partakers with me of grace. You will defend the gospel. You will stand up for it and say, that is the way that I am saved. You will confirm, you will affirm, you will say, I, I am in need of the gospel. It is true. I will confirm that the gospel is right. You will stand up for the gospel. You will confirm that the gospel is right and true. And we have this affection of Jesus Christ within us. So basically, Paul is saying, it is right for me to know that God will never let go of you because, are you ready for this? He is certain of their salvation because they are clearly a part of the Christian family. They're clearly in God's hands. They are partakers of grace. They will defend the gospel. They'll stand up for it. They will affirm that it is right and true. There's no reason in Paul's mind to think that they aren't Christians. They're showing every sign that they are. And so Paul says, you have every reason to believe God will never let you go. And so what does this mean for you and I? I'm gonna go quick here. What does this mean for you and I? It does not mean, okay, this assurance of salvation, this confidence, this peace of mind that God will never let you go because you're showing signs of being a part of the Christian family This does not mean just because you go to church, you have peace of mind, or you should have peace of mind. That is not what this is saying. Paul would not say that. In fact, there's a lot of people in the visible church, right, showing up on Sunday morning that are not a part of the true church because they do not love Jesus. They will not uh, give their life over to him. They will not call him Lord and Savior and how they act and the things that they value. They only show up on Sunday morning, and Paul is not talking about those individuals. He's talking about the people that are, are accept that they need grace. They will defend the gospel. They stand up for it. They will confirm that they love and they hold true to the gospel. So just because you go to church or somebody that you love goes to church, that doesn't give you peace of mind. It's so much more than that. And I I really want to be uh, loving in this because maybe you guys can relate with me a little bit. I was so worried pretty much all through high school for years. I was losing my salvation all the time because I kept sinning, kept going back to the same sin. Maybe you guys know what that's like. Maybe you know what that's like to say, I really don't want to do this sin. Jesus, I love you. I'm sorry. You're my Lord and Savior. I will call you Lord, and I really do want to dedicate my life to you. And then the next day, I'm so angry at myself and screaming in my pillow because I, I committed the same sin over again, right? Maybe you guys know what that feels like, and you're worried, God might let me go, or maybe I've already walked out of his hand. What this text is saying is that if you or your family member, your loved one, maybe you're worried that your family member isn't saved because they've walked away from God. This text is saying that if your family member or your friend or maybe you, if you accept 
that you need God's grace in your life. You believe the gospel to be true in your life. You confirm that salvation is through Jesus and you would stand up for that. Then you have every right to be sure that God will not let you go and that you will not slip out of his hand. If you're worried about your family member that uh, I'm not sure if they're saved, I'm not sure if they're still saved, you can rest assured that God will not let them go if they accept that they need God's grace in their life, they believe the gospel to be true in their life, they confirm that salvation is through Jesus and they would stand up for that. You can rest easy and you can hear what Paul has to say that he who began a good work in you this is good news, will not let you go. He will see it to the end. So let's recap, and, and let me give you some application to walk away with here, okay? There is no earthly relationship which can build you up more than your relationship with other Christians. Not to say that your non-Christian relationships are bad. They're not. They're good. You should have those. But if you want to be built up spiritually, if you want to be lifted up, do not run away from your Christian friends. Run to them when you're in pain. If you are struggling and you are suffering and you are confused about why God is letting this happen to your life, do not run away from your Christian friends in this room right now. Run to them. Cry on their shoulder. Don't be so embarrassed that you would walk away from them. This is when you need them. There's no greater relationship that will build you up than your relationship with your Christian friends because our Christian bond that we have gives us joy when we are in suffering and peace of mind about our salvation. We can remind each other and assure each other that we are in God's hand and he will not let us go. And so in two, two encouragements I have for you here, you can always find a reason for joy despite what's happening in your life. You hear that? You can always find joy. There's always a reason for joy despite what's happening in your life. You have the people to your left and the people to your right and they will always point you to a savior that loves you despite what's happening. He is there for you despite what's happening and he will lift you up despite what is currently happening and these individuals can point you to that. You always have reason for joy despite what's happening in your life. You can have a family here and this family will point you to the spring of joy and the source of thanksgiving. The second encouragement I have is that you can be sure of salvation of yourself or of other people that love Jesus. You can be sure of that. No one's walking on a tightrope, guys. Just worried the next mistake that they make, they will fall off and God won't catch them. No one's on a tightrope that the next mistake is the last mistake. Just because someone makes a mistake, if you know that they love Jesus, you can breathe easy knowing that God will not give up on them. And the same goes for you. And us together can remind each other of that. That's why Paul says, I am so thankful to my God and I pray to him with joy every time I think of you guys because you guys build me up. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.